Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. What's up, everybody? Thanksgiving week for me personally, one of my most favorite weeks of the year, recording four o'clock on a Tuesday. Guys, I, I just wrapped, I was just telling Jason, I just wrapped a pretty lengthy 30B6 deposition in a negligent security case. So excuse me, I've got uh what they call it, a noodle brain right now. So might need y'all to do even more heavy lifting than usual. But look, alas, we're here. The show must go on. Another week ticks off the calendar. Another UGA ass kicking, another weekend full of smiles. And for those keeping track at home, that is 38 regular season wins in a row. That is 28 victories in a row. That is three straight years of going 8-0 in the SEC. And it puts an end to Tennessee's cute little 14-game home winning streak with a beatdown of those nasty volunteers from Tennessee. Hot damn, it sure is fun. Big Red, Big Lear 99, how about them? It was a uh, it was awesome. I was in Savannah this past weekend for a, a soccer tournament. Watched the dogs kick the volunteers' ass sitting in the lobby of the hotel, and then we proceeded to go to the local Bolero uh, for the second half. And so I was consuming bowling alley beers, bowling alley chicken fingers, and just watched the dogs just take the vols out to the woodshed and give them the beating they deserved. Josh for Noodlebrain, you rattled off some numbers there. That was, that was pretty impressive. I wrote uh, them down pre-show, pre-show production. Uh, six piece, buddy. Um, more impressive, though, are those numbers in that self. Uh, we had the November gauntlet of Mizzou, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. And at the beginning of the season, this game at Tennessee looked like probably our, our, our most difficult game all season. And, and it turned out to be a glorified scrimmage. The dogs did what the dogs do and spotted the team seven points. This was a unique one in the sense that uh, they got it in four seconds. Um, and then they barely scored again. This is what we do. Uh, we were sitting around watching the game at my house. Kevin Shea, uh, Garrett Nail, and, and Jenny Nail were here. And we all said, look, the, they're going to come down. They're going to score a touchdown. We'll end up kicking a field goal. be up 10-7, and the throttling will begin. To start, though, I want to give Kevin Shea um, a shout-out. He had predicted a 42-10 victory of the Dogs. So uh, very good uh, prediction. And just like I said, a glorified scrimmage. There was nothing that we couldn't do. And I'm excited to get into the details of it. So, yeah, listen, um, you know, uh, Kirby was great when uh, his press conference, he said, I just told Schumann, let's go ahead and let him get it over with and score on the first play. It just goes back to my theory of rope We're giving these guys a false sense of security, lulling them to sleep, and then just, bam, popping them in the mouth and kicking their ass. You know, I thought about you, too, when that happened, the, the rope and Kirby's quote was priceless. But what's so cool about being a Georgia fan is, how freaked out would we have been two years ago with that opening play that went like that? We'd have been like, here we go again, hands in the face, as some of our friends like to do, get the Tennessee faithful all in a frenzy, and the game would have gone sideways very quick, and we would have pointed, well, we just would have made that play. I didn't have one ounce of worry when that happened. I was watching my brother's house. He was um, in the in the room but not in front of the TV. He was making a drink, and he's like, what just happened? I'm like, dude, come look at this. And he's like, whoa, that's not good. And that was kind of all we said about it. And then Tennessee proceeded to, what, score three more points on a, you know, end of half kind of garbage field goal. So complete ass whipping. 
spot have in you the first seen, 10 seconds and that's it. Have you seen the clip going around of the 75-yard touchdown run and then it shows – like fireworks going off, Tennessee storming the field, uh, basically like <laughs> no, that was it, it, it reminded me of when they celebrated their national championship season last year by going six and zero. Right, they started producing a book commemorating the year. Same thing that the early, the early uh, yeah. celebrators. Hey, well, you know, there's a lot that I that I found amazing about that game. One is McConkey obviously wasn't 100. I think he played like six snaps, didn't play. Ron Ron Thomas caught a pass early on and then went out with an injury. Obviously, we still have Brock coming back from his tightrope, but he looks to be as about as 100% as he can be. And then you have guys like Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint step up. I think we can effectually call this game this past weekend the Dylan Bell coming out party, uh, where he had a, a huge game. He passed for a touchdown, caught a touchdown. And what was even more impressive, he had a catch in the second quarter on the sidelines over a um, over a corner who was covering him really, really well. And the only thing better than that catch was the throw that future NFL quarterback Carson Beck made. That guy put some film on tape this past weekend um, that I quite frankly think could get him elevated to be a first-round draft pick this year. He was unbelievable. The theme to me that this game is 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 next man up, uh, really what needed. Um, D- Dylan Bell, I think, was the Jay Stein player of the game, as I saw on, on Instagram, and, and well-deserved. He threw for a touchdown, he caught a touchdown pass, and he ran for a touchdown pass. Uh, but he stepped up, most importantly, when Ladd wasn't able to go. And, and Ladd's going to be gone after the season, and Dylan Bell will be back. And he looks like a very, very suitable replacement. He looks like a very, very good future NFL player as well, particularly with those pythons on his arm. In the CBS postgame conference when he was on the field, he is just absolutely jacked. He looks like um, uh, a Randall Cobb. He kind of looks like Randall Cobb from, from a body standpoint. Plays like a Correll Patterson. Uh, but, yeah, definitely player of game was, was Dylan Bell. Carson Beck, I totally agree, Lawrence. The, the throws that he made are just NFL throws. Um the throw of the game to me was the pass he threw to Brock where Brock turned around and it, it was in his grill the second he turned around. And that was a 35 yard throw. Uh, just continuing the theme of next man up. Uh, you, you mentioned Marcus Rosemary Jack saying he's, he's been excellent all season and lunch bail guy. Right. But CJ Allen looked fantastic again on defense. Um, you know, I, I really like pop and, and it sucks to lose someone like that, particularly going into the stretch run and hopefully he'll be back. But when you have, someone step up and fill that void that and, and the drop off is you know negligible i mean how good are you cj allen is the next dude right i mean he is the next dude the roquan smith and the kobe dean insert your your linebacker i mean i haven't broken down the film to, to look exactly the differences but my god could our defense get any better the last two weeks and he, you know he's not missing a beat um so again just we just reload next man up. I love that Carson Beck. I don't need to say what you guys already said other than the guy just wows me. And, and on third down, he just pick, do we, do we not get third down conversions anymore? I feel like every single time it's third down, we're picking it up every single time we're on defense, we're shutting it down. Um, that to me, that, that that's the biggest differences in these games. Now it's like third down. Let's go. Cannot believe y'all haven't brought up Dolly Parton's name yet. I cannot believe we're <laughs> 10 minutes in and her name hasn't been brought up yet. Uh, my goodness, man, there was lots of text messages flying around about her, huh? Hey, listen, for 77 years old, Dolly Dolly still brings it. Uh, the biggest flaw she has is she was rolling out there and, and Orin singing Rocky Top on a broken microphone. Now, again, this goes, I think, to the difference between a Georgia production versus a Tennessee production. You think Kirby Smart would trot out, uh, you know, 
whoever our famous country music singer is, Gans, I'm sure you know off the top of your head who that may be. Uh, Travis Tritt, probably. You think Travis Tritt would get out there and his and his microphone wouldn't work? Um, I mean, it was just a, a joke, but Dolly was looking good. Uh, so count me in. I'm on Team Dolly. I'm having a brain fart. It's Garth's wife right now. Why can't I, why can't I think of Garth? Uh, Trisha Yearwood. Trisha Yearwood. That's that's our Dolly Parton. The Dolly looks better than Trisha Yearwood. I'll say that. My favorite part of that whole thing. He looks better than Travis Tritt, too. So we'll take that. <laughs> my favorite thing. I'm going to leave that alone. My favorite part about the Dolly Parton um, um, episode or appearance was Peyton, who I do really like, uh, escorting her out there and just the shitty look on Peyton's face. Uh, more about the Vols play than than about Dolly's performance was 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 priceless to me. Uh, Peyton, that guy's everywhere. I saw him Saturday. I saw him Sunday. I saw him Monday. I was like, can we discuss that guy's? I mean, he's the hardest working man in Hollywood. He, he's everywhere you turn. That's where that guy's at. So good on him. Would would y'all consider this Tennessee game, you know, a trap game that that people talk about? Because I heard that a little bit. Um, I'm not sure it was or wasn't. But going back to what I said earlier about being concerned, like I don't, I don't worry about trap games anymore either. Kirby gets these guys ready no matter what it is. He said there was a crappy week of practice on Tuesday. He got it fixed by Wednesday and by Saturday. All systems go. We don't have trap games anymore. And, and, and I don't mean that to be cocky. I mean that in the sense that Kirby controls everything. I believe that actually Kirby might control the weather as discussed earlier. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I don't see it was a trap game, but almost more than a, a letdown game coming off the big uh, Ole Miss game at home with game day. But to that point, Kirby has, uh, he has conditioned these guys Mentally, it goes back to the Kirby culture and everything he's built, right? He knows that we have a bullseye on our target each and every week, and he has these guys ready to play. Now, some may say that we play to the level of our competition. Others say it's a long con. Like, there are certain games where maybe uh, teams haven't deserved the right for us to put our boot, our hobnail boot squarely up their rear end. Uh, but I believe this Tennessee game has been circled on the calendar due to the vast amount of crap that they've been talking since we beat them in Athens last year. So we were ready to go. Those guys are dirty i mean for them to do something allegedly like spit in brock bowers face i've never seen brock bowers get unhinged like he did on the bottom of that pile when delp had to get him over brock bowers usually the most even keeled person on the planet like they were it was dirty pool and uh, and i'm glad we uh, had them leaving the stadium at the end of the third quarter it's like you can remove the word let you can remove the word allegedly about that that that, that happened no question yeah, it's like your golden retriever snapping on someone. It doesn't happen. Everyone's lovable family pet that that's just a beautiful boy and runs around the yard, fetches all the balls, and then he takes off uh, the neighbor's arm. That doesn't happen unless the neighbor provokes him. So, of course, the the three hours watching the game is is my most favorite you know content to consume, George football wise. But I've gotten really into Kirby's post game presser and watching you know the 15, 20 minutes of it. The guy answers every question perfectly. I love his. His cadence, I love his accent. I love everything about the way he describes what's going on. He's always giving credit to other people, um, to the coaches, the plan, to the players. And you guys watching that too? So there was two clips that, that stuck out to me. One was right before the game, the video of him standing in the tunnel with Dylan Bell. And he was just looking around the stadium, taking it all in, as calm, cool, and collected as you can. He leaned over to Dylan Bell and he said, I got you. I love you. And then Dylan Bell proceeded to have the game of his life. And then after the game, to your point, Josh, he said, you know, you just got to get good kids that buy in. They don't care about individual credit. Um, and I mean, and that is such the perfect thing to say, because that is a direct shot 
to what? All of the five-star recruits that are out there that are chasing NIL deals. He said, if you get the kids that don't care about individual credit and kids that want to win, this is the place they need to be. Um, he is he is a perfect press conference. Well, just real quick, we do play the NIL game. We just play it a little bit differently than, than some of the others um, in the sense that it's more for attention than it is for um, alluring prospects there. Um, but Kirby has gotten significantly better. He wasn't always that good at this. I don't know if you guys remember the first couple of seasons, particularly 2016. He was not good in press conferences. He used to get really chippy with reporters. He thought he was Nick Saban then. And, um, you know, he didn't really have anything to back it up at that point. So kudos on him for for getting better evolving. Um, he's never everything that he says is uh, is is thought is well thought out. He's not going to give you any bulletin board material. He's not going to put anything out there that doesn't need to be out there. He'll give you just enough. Um, but but, yeah, everything is is very well thought out. So the rest of the country, look, unbeatens remaining unbeaten. Uh, the, 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 the upset just hasn't fallen yet. Um, we used a ping pong analogy last week to discuss Big Lair Sucker Bet, which I'm sure we'll get to. But I'll use a tennis analogy this week that just says all the top teams just keep holding serve, right? I mean, every week they just keep holding serve. We keep waiting for one of them to lose. Uh, as of November 21st, day of recording, there's still five unbeaten teams vying for four spots. Of course, one of that will take care of itself. But um, I don't know, about, I don't know, guys, like we all like watching chaos. As long as it doesn't involve Georgia this year, just hadn't, hadn't really happened. There's some options. It, it's going to happen, right? I, I kind of went through this earlier. Um, so uh, just start off with Michigan and Ohio State. Obviously, we don't even need to go into that. Something's going to happen this weekend. <clears throat> Washington, uh, and I know Oregon does have one loss, but well, let me back up for a second. There's eight teams still alive in the playoff hunt right now, right? There's George, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, Washington, Oregon, um, FSU, and on the outside looking in, Texas, right? Um, Michigan, Ohio State, one of them takes care of themselves. Georgia, Alabama, most likely one of them takes care of themselves. Washington, Oregon, Oregon, most likely one of them takes care of themselves. Florida State probably has the easiest path, path in, as we talked about last week, except that you know they had a horrible injury to their quarterback, and they've been really lucky to, to get some of their wins. Do I think they're going to lose to Florida? No. But then they've got to play Louisville, I believe Louisville, the, the week after. Um, Texas. It'd be good to see them lose, right? They've got a, they're not going to lose to Texas Tech, I don't think. It's in Austin, but then I believe they'll probably play Oklahoma State, right? So it's going to take care of itself. It typically does, uh, but it's going to be interesting, right, to see over the next call it two weeks. Well, you know, we talked a lot about parity, and I think there is more parity across the landscape of college football. But the top teams just aren't—they're not losing. The upsets aren't, aren't there, as you discussed. What I find to be interesting, Gans, and maybe a little bit different than what you're saying, is Texas on the outside looking in. And let's just play this through now. I think Georgia beats Alabama, but let's just say Alabama wins. But you have the Michigan-Ohio State winner. You have FSU wins out and Washington wins out. You really have Alabama getting in over a one-loss Texas team, uh, even though Texas beat them. And, and it, granted, you know, the eye test, Alabama would be favored again. Alabama – Pass the eye test is the better team, but look, head-to-head has to matter in the eyes of the committee, and they would have to leave out a one-loss SEC championship team. Note that they they have to. I I, I get where you're coming from. 
but I think that first of all, that's their nightmare scenario. Uh, the playoff committee. That that's so. Which <laughs> maybe bodes well for Georgia and the Zebras and the SEC championship game. Hopefully, we don't need them, uh, and I don't think we will. We'll get into that later. Uh, but that's the nightmare scenario. I I totally agree with you. Head to head should absolutely matter. They came into uh, T Town and dominated uh, Alabama. I don't see a one-loss SEC team being left out regardless. But guess what, Lawrence? They ain't going to be a one-loss SEC team. That's right. Well, listen, I think Oregon takes care of business against Washington. In fact, Washington could trip up in the Apple Cup this weekend. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Florida State now. You're right. I don't think they're going to lose to Florida, considering and now both of them on their second-string quarterback. Um, Louisville probably takes them out. And then, uh, you know, Ohio State, well, Michigan, they'll take they'll, – they'll knock each other out. But, um, listen, you know, you're right. The committee is – Firmly in, uh, you know, they're they're wearing red and black. They're cheering for Georgia. Oh, they don't want to have to deal Go with dogs. My, my Alabama friends, I've, I've provided that exact scenario, Lawrence. You just laid out, and they refuse to acknowledge it as a possibility. And I agree with you. Head to head has to matter, and their response, of course, is well, what, what's the incentive for teams like Alabama to even schedule a team like Texas? Right, like you can only hurt yourself. Play someone like Michigan did, and you're 11 and 0, 12 and 0, and then it doesn't even matter. So I get it. We've well, hey, t- talk to Auburn about that. See how that worked out for those guys. We, 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 yeah, we've gone back and forth on the strength of schedule for years, but I'm with you. Like head to head on the field has to matter. The FSU thing is going to be super interesting because if they do find a way to end up 13 and 0, win the ACC, I think that they they will get in. Um, but the committee. They might look at it and say, unless this new quarterback comes in and you know blows doors off the next two weeks, they're going to say, really, with this backup quarterback, are they worthy of a top four spot over, let's say, a twelve and one Georgia that dominated everybody but lost to Alabama? I don't know. Like you said, these are scenarios they're just hoping they don't have to deal with. So, Josh, that's a great point, um, and uh, yeah, it, it, so I don't think they will. I, I just don't see them. First, Georgia's not going to lose, but. Um, I just don't see a undefeated ACC conference t- uh, champion being left out, even though they are in their second string quarterback, who could be the next, you know, Chris Wenke for all we know there. Uh, but I'll, I'll take it a step further, right? The way I see this finishing out, right? This is just my prediction for the final rankings. I've got Georgia number one. Okay, this is not this week, not not tonight coming out, but after after championship game week, right? I've got Georgia number one. I've got Michigan number two. I've got Washington number three, and I've got Florida State number four, which would just be a dandy for the Dodgers. Yes, please. Yes, yeah, please. please. We got screwed last year taking the second best team in, in the semifinals. We should have had TCU and uh, give give us give us the the cupcake in uh, in the Sugar Bowl, which by the way would work out perfect because you'd have Georgia, Florida State in the Sugar Bowl. You'd have Michigan, Washington, the last year of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten playing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's their dream scenario. That that is, that is the how ABC hashtag wants me to draw too. this thing up. Yeah. Hashtag me too. Uh, you, you mentioned Auburn, so let's just let's just come out and say it. Officially a basketball school. Officially a basketball school. Right? They lost to a team that what New Mexico. They paid them one point eight million dollars to come in and beat them by three scores. The New Mexico State Aggies, coached by Jerry Kill, came in for one point eight million dollars and beat them by three touchdowns. Um, <laughs> and on top of that, just to rub some salt into the wounds of our friends on the Plains, uh, their former quarterback, who is now 38 years old, is currently the uh, odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. So they got that going for them. It's hard to be an Auburn fan. Hey, but listen, I like Bruce Pearl, so uh, g- good luck on the hard court this year. I guess Bo Picks is above Jaden Daniels. I, I, what are they, 1A one or, one or something on the odds right now? I, I do love 
give a Heisman. I, I don't know. I, I've stopped following. The Heisman means nothing to me anymore, unless one of our guys is in New York. Carson Beck should be in New York. Just to circle back, one quick thing I'm going to say on Carson Beck. The one knock on him is I got a bad feeling this is the last season we're going to see him in red and black. The guy, he's a first-round NFL draft pick, I think, in 2024. We said this last week, give me him tomorrow for the Falcons, and I will gladly say thank you. The throws he made, these receivers turn around, boom, ball's right there, on a rope, on a line. In between three guys, like, I mean, he's, he is dialed in right now. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, so my my four, today, as of today, my, my playoff four today is uh, UGA, Ohio State, Michigan, FSU. My predicted final four as we sit here on uh, November 21st is Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Florida State. So I think the Ducks uh, avenge their earlier season loss and and get that third spot. Yeah, fair enough. I, mine, mine this week is very similar to yours: Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and I, I think Washington. I think they that the committee might you know knock Florida State down, have them at five, just because of uh, you know the Travis injury. And um, but yeah, I mean, look, this will all play itself out, but it, it's going to be fun. That's why I have Washington jumping all the way up to two. I think they're at this point a better team than Michigan, Ohio State, and I have FSU at five as well. Uh, my other, my other favorite moment from the SEC: uh, our friends down in Gainesville, victims of the fourth and Grantham in their loss to Missouri. How does that happen, guys? It was what fourth and seventeen, and sure enough, they pick up the first down, go ahead to score the winning touchdown. Yeah, you may want to try to cover the best receiver on the field who you know they're going to go to in a fourth and 17 uh, to pick that up. But uh, things things just get worse for Sunbelt Billy. Uh, I think he was quoted in a press conference this week of saying, like, yeah, any team out there could beat us. I mean, could you imagine those words coming out of Kirby Smart's mouth in a press conference? Not too good. You know who's not picking up fourth and 17s? The Iowa Hawkeyes or anybody who they're playing. <laughs> the under hit again, huh? It, what was it? It was, uh, it was, I think the under this past week was a little bit higher than prior weeks, but I still think it was below 30. And well, yeah, they, eight and a half or 30 or something. Yeah. Um, again, that's like to me the most compelling, you know, sideshow of the entire season. They're going to play in the championship with the Big Ten, aren't they? If they, yeah, I believe they were. I believe they are. Um, I believe it'll be the winner of Michigan Ohio State versus uh, versus Iowa, which might be the most boring game in the history of football since the forward pass was invented. I'm not sure it's actually invented for that game though. So let me let me ask you all about James Madison. For the first time, they will make their way onto the show. We wanted to give it too much time, but the scene for College Game Day was pretty awesome. I didn't really know they had this whole appeal process with the NCAA and trying to get ball eligible and made a whole stink and got rejected. And then they go out and they lose anyway. But can in, can someone summarize that whole thing for me in like 30 seconds or less? I'll defer to you, Lawrence. I'm not, I'm not up to speed on it. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to defer to you, Jason, because hey. I did not watch any game day. Uh, I saw it was a James Madison, quite frankly, didn't really care. Uh, the only thing I did, I did find out today is that not only were they, they were ranked in football, but the James Madison basketball team actually was ranked as of last week. So I guess it's a good time to be a Duke. Uh, is that what they are? The Dukes? Right. I, in fact, uh, Robert, you know, and I have actually spent the night in whatever town that is in Virginia uh, on a road trip one time. And we went out to a few of the local bars. We had a good time there. But uh, yeah, my takeaway was they let 14 people kick the field goal. None of them could hit. Uh, and then uh, it was the Jonas Brothers and uh, Bailey Zimmerman uh, uh, singing More together. Busy. Didn't y'all have to stop at a Walmart and get some new jeans or something? In, in James, in James? That was that. 
That was in that town. I believe it's Harrisonburg. Uh, we Bob and I went shopping on a Friday evening at about eight o'clock. Uh, I think we had Budweisers in our hand while we walked through Walmart buying clothes because of dumbasses. We're driving to New York and we had everything locked up in the back of a U-Haul and a trailer behind it. We forgot that our bags were back there. Weren't y'all driving when that that small infinity of yours? No, that was being towed behind that we <laughs> drove to New York. I knew that infinity was involved somehow. All oh, right, we are. We got rivalry week coming up, clean, old-fashioned hate here in Georgia. I always love kind of refreshing my, myself with the different names that these games give themselves. Um, I don't know. Any of these games jump out to you all? I mean, obviously, we want to spend some in Michigan, Ohio State, but just pure rivalry games, anyone that y'all are always interested in? Now, Ole Miss, I like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl. It's on Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving evening. By that point, I'm usually pretty good and uh, lubricated. Um, and it's it's always a fun one to watch. I mean, Penn State, Michigan. I'm, not, I'm sorry, uh, Michigan, Ohio State. I was saying Penn State, Michigan State. Obviously, has significant uh, impacts on the college football playoffs. So, um, while not thoroughly excited to watch it, I will. You've got Oregon, Oregon State, Al- Alabama, Auburn. Yeah, usually the Iron Bowl is usually great. This year, it's just yeah. Uh, the, the spread for the Iron Bowl this year, Auburn is plus 15. It feels a little bit low to me, Jason. Weird um, things happen there, though, Lawrence. And it, it's in, it's in, uh, it, it's in Jordan Hare, too, correct? So, you know, you never know. Uh, I like the Oregon Oregon State game, also known as the Civil War. Uh, was it Washington? Washington State is the Apple Cup. You got the Egg Bowl, but the best name for any rivalry game out there is, in fact, Georgia versus Georgia Tech in clean, old fashioned hate. Uh, this year it'll be down on North Avenue. Uh, planning on taking uh, one of my children, possibly two. Josh, I know you're you're planning on going with Graham as well. Uh, it'll be the first time it's been under the lights in downtown Atlanta in quite some time. Uh, I, last time I remember going to a Georgia Georgia Tech game at night, um, a friend of ours. I'll let you name the name, Josh, if you're so inclined. But he smuggled in a 12 pack of beer in his jeans. We sat in the second or third row on the uh, around the 10 15 yard line, and Tim Wansley picked off a pass and took it to the house the other way. Uh, it was a great game, uh, so I'm looking forward to get back down there and watching a, a Georgia takeover uh, of the joke by Coke. True, true story. We drank all 12 of those beers, too, between all of us. Uh, funny things always happen at that game. I mean, I, I remember sneaking into one of the you know, main presidential boxes, me and me and Sean Traub, you know, eating a nice feast during the game. Uh, it, it's something always, always funny happens. Um, you know, I went to look at tickets this weekend and I'd forgotten there's only 100, 100 section and a 200 section there. I just assumed there was, you know, more seating, but there's really not. So we'll be down there. Um, you know, do we really hate Georgia Tech? I mean, I know that's the name; it's been there forever. I don't hate them. I mean, feel kind they of bad us. for them at times. They, they hate us. Will after Saturday night, you will hate them. They uh, do not. You will. They will cuss your kid out. Um, it, it's. I don't like going to games there. The only reason I do is because it's 15 minutes from my house. Um, but for a school of engineers, it is such a shitty stadium. You'd think they'd be able to do something. Um, it, it's. I don't know. They do sell beer there now, so don't you don't don't stuff any in your uh, in your Levi's. You'll you'll be good. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like going to games there. But I, I I don't know. You guys are starting to convince me. What what's the deal with there? You know, when you said Budweiser, you said it all. It's so lame. Like, where does that even come from? Why is that a Georgia Tech thing? We know the history behind it. They said they, they got a goddamn jalopy. Um, Larry, you probably know about the uh, the song. 
I don't I don't know the I don't know the uh the the impetus or the origin story behind the Budweiser song, but it is corny. The stadium for you for your point games for a bunch of engineers is a very poorly designed stadium. Uh, it's just it's easy to get in and out of. We got some buddies down there, usually have a good time. Uh and I believe the only time that we actually hate uh Georgia Tech is the once in a decade time that they pull off a victory and then you don't you don't hear the end of it for the rest of the year until we have to go back and and beat him with Southside Steve's daddy 51 to 7 or whatever the score may be. Uh but I enjoy the game. I find it to be fun. Um and uh and uh you know listen Georgia Tech Brent Key has got them bowl eligible. Haynes King is a serviceable quarterback. We get to see our buddies Don Blaylock and Brent Scyther and old uh, offensive analyst Buster Faulkner. So there'll be some familiar faces out there. Uh, but I do uh, I do like the dogs minus the 24. I think we cover the number pretty easily. Um, should be a good game on Saturday night. So I, I like that. I like the minus 24 also. I got 38-13. No Kirby hates them. Um but I think he calls the dogs off a little bit in the sense that he wants to get back to Athens with no injuries and prep for Alabama. Uh, I think it's going to be just surgical. I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of people playing in the second half. Um, but, I, you know, go in, ho-hum. I'm assuming they start 7 nothing, and then they somehow squeak out another six points throughout the, uh, the course of the game. That is tech. I'm going to co-sign everything you just said, Jason. That's exactly where my head's at. I'm sitting here flipping through the wikis. Uh, seeing the last time Georgia Tech beat Georgia. Do y'all know offhand when that was? It was Kirby's first year, 28-27 in 2016. 2016, yeah. You're smart. You're all smart fellas. Uh, and then they beat us in 2014 as well. So there was a there was a moment in time. That was Rick. That was the squib kick. That was a that squib, was a squib kick. Yeah, a squib yeah. kick game. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The the scores since then have been brittle. I mean, the the closest number has been you know three plus scores. Uh, there's a couple of 45 point differences. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think there's any chance we lose the game. I think that it plays out, you know, the way you guys just said. So, no, no uh, just, just hope for no injuries, right? And no uh, George Pickens face planting some guy into the wall and have to sit out the uh, first half of this <laughs> championship game. That, that's a good call as well, Lawrence. We teed you up for a very important soccer bet selection last week. It was do or die. You had the whole board to choose from. You went with a prior winner of the Jimbo of the Week award and, and Crystal Ball. You did it to yourself, bro. <laughs> five, five, and eight. Um, yeah, to the point where when I start to to look back at the soccer bet, I'm starting to realize, hey, maybe I maybe I'm the sucker here, guys. But I will tell you. There's a lot of other uh, handicappers and pickers out there that are having uh, worse seasons than I am right now. Uh, Gans's boy Stanford Steve is horrible. Play <laughs> Travis is currently 67 and 79 on the season. Picking games just isn't easy. However, gamblers never say die. So we're going to go right back at it. I got a fun one this week. We're gonna go. We're gonna throw a hail mary out here, Josh. I think you're gonna like it. So I was looking at the board this morning. You know, Ohio State. A lot of people are on them getting points. I don't, I'm gonna stay away from that one. Um, Florida State without a quarterback is is minus a touchdown, but Florida's also without a quarterback, so I'm staying away from that one. I quite frankly, I think we broke Tennessee. Like I just don't think they're gonna give a shit going uh, playing in Vanderbilt. Because Vanderbilt stinks and they're having lay, laying a big number, but I'm going to stay away from that one. Where I'm going with the sucker bet is our friends out in Vegas have set the over under so low for Iowa Nebraska. It is currently 26 and a half points. 
that is such a sucker line to take the over on that game that I'm taking the under. I like it. I like it. I can, yeah. I can get on board with that. I think the, it's going to be like 12-10, 12-9. Yeah. It, it may be 3-2. <laughs> True. True. And, and for our good friend Garrett Nail, who we spent probably two or three days discussing what the actual sucker bet means and how to arrive at it, I think that this is a good explanation for him to hear um, and others that, that that question it. That Yeah, I mean, who would ever take the under on 26.5? Well, that's why you take it, right, Lawrence? My, my, my question is, you know, much like being on the 14th or 15th hole on a um, on a golf round when you're getting smoked by the bet and you, you you try to press, can you press? Can can you do something to uh, get yourself back to at least 500? You're you're five and eight. I'll give you the ability to make two selections if you so choose. Although you've got to suffer the consequences if you uh, end up losing big. You you know I think what we'll do here's what I'd like to do because I'm not prepared to go and and put my money where my mouth is on another game. But during bowl season, maybe we could have a couple different picks during bowl season uh, to try and get back. But I think we have an opportunity between rivalry week, championship week, uh, bowl week. The playoffs are going to be tough. We'll have to see how the lines shake out there. But I do think we can get back to at least 500. I know I got to get to 55% for it technically to be a winner. Uh, but we're going to go one game at a time here, Josh. Let me let me give you something here. Uh, bowls are bullshit. They're really hard to handicap. So there could be a ton of suckers. There could be none. And, and half the time, the players don't show up to play unless you're in a New York Six, New Year's Six Bowl or the playoffs. Why don't you prepare um, for next week and call, come up with a line or come up with a bet on every conference of the Power Five conference champions. Come up with something there. We will make it happen, Jason. Anything for you, buddy. Challenge issued. All right, I've got on this outline, Jimbo of the Week, question mark, question mark, question mark. I'm going to defer to you, my friend. If you want to carry it on, if you want to retire it, if you want to do something different, the floor is yours. Yeah, so I've, I've been thinking about this a good bit, and I think uh, probably the the best thing to do is just let's run him out through the end of the season, and then we'll we'll have a proper funeral for him. Um, maybe maybe on next week's cast. Uh, I haven't put a ton of work into it because just it's he's kind of taking the wind out of my sales mission accomplished. Right, we we got to where we needed to be, uh, but this week we're just going to go ahead and give it to Brian Harson. Um, for losing at home by three touchdowns to a team you paid $1.8 million uh, to cut. Not Brian Harson. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was about to give you the Jimbo of the week for not knowing who oh, yeah. Auburn's coaches. You freeze. Sorry. I mean, is there really any difference? Um, and uh, losing by 21 points. The best part of that whole game uh, is that Auburn fans uh, and their message boards, they were pissed off that Jerry Kill scored another touchdown with two minutes left in the game. Um, to to really to take it up 21, 21 points. So Hugh Freeze, you're the, the Jimbo of the week, and and I'll have something uh, a eulogy prepared for Jimbo next week. I love it. All right, gentlemen. Like I said, Thanksgiving week. It is Tuesday. Um, any traditions y'all look forward to with the family? Any special, you know, menu item, side item? Where where, where do you turn? I like this, you, Larry. <laughs> talking about food. Larry um, likes buns. He likes buns. This will be uh, this will be year two of uh, Thanksgiving up at uh, at Lake Hartwell. Uh, I will throw the the bird on the Brinkman smoker. I'm going to cover it with some meat church. Uh, uh, our friends at Meat Church with some rub, a good helping of butter, uh, and I will consume some bourbons while I'm out there. Um, I listen. I love Thanksgiving. I think it's just a day to sit around, eat, drink, watch football. 
go to bed early um, and just uh, enjoy some downtime. So uh, no, no major traditions. I will tell you though, I think there are a few of the Thanksgiving menu items that can be a little bit overrated. Uh, not a few, not a huge fan of stuffing. Um, I do like sweet potato casserole and the green bean casserole and, uh, and all the accoutrements that come with that. Uh, but uh, it is, it is a good day just to uh, consume uh, lots and lots of calories. Yeah, we, uh, I'm not so much into the food as much. I like sort of the the plain staples. We do a nice uh, cocktail hour, which starts at 1.30 and ends when the last person passes out at night. But uh, we'll have some nice, some really nice wine consumed. We're hosting at our house, which we've we've been doing the past four or five years. Uh, I think we have 25 people coming over. So uh, the recycling bin will be, you know, rocking and rolling the next day with all the empty uh, soldiers in there. But um, yeah, 1.30, uh, 1 to 1.30 cocktails began and then dinner at 3 o'clock. I'll probably take a nap sometime in the afternoon and then wake up to the egg bowl at night. You going to uh, fry your bird, roast your bird, cater the whole thing? Uh, we're not catering. Uh, my wife, her twin sister, and uh, my brother-in-law tend to be the cooks, and then everyone kind of brings a side or something like that. I don't concern myself with that, Larry. I'm the sommelier for the day. I've got some nice wines picked out. I'll let them breathe in the cellar in the morning, and then we'll bring them up and we'll pour. We also just bought a uh, fresh bottle of Jameson uh, for Irish coffees later in the evening. So one of my favorite Thanksgiving traditions, Jason, we used to do and don't do it anymore, was running the half marathon on yep. Thanksgiving morning. Um, we did that for probably five or six years. And I love starting off Thanksgiving day that way, getting a 13 point run point one mile run in and then going over Jason Mullins and have some, some, some whisks and, and get lubed up for the day. My, I'll be honest, my body can't handle that anymore. I, I would love to be able to do it. Jason and Stephen Altman are running it on, on Thursday. Kudos to them. Um, maybe next year we'll get back to the place where we can, cause I do miss that. But, uh, we we fry the turkey. Um, I've replaced running with with playing golf on Thursday morning. Indian Hills is open, so walk out my back door and go do the loop and catch the whole many holes as I can to to get the body ready to rock and roll. But I'm with you guys. Love it all. Uh, I call I call um, what you call stuffing. I call dressing, Lawrence. I don't know if that's a regional thing or a family thing or what, but I call it dressing. And I happen we to, grew up two minutes from each other. And I and I and I happen and I happen to like it. Um, so, uh, I can't, I can't get on board with you. I like the cranberry sauce too, not out of the can. I, my mom makes it like yeah. special. So, um, again, feed me, feed me, feed me. Jason Mullen, one year when we did that run, which was a blast and he was very hospitable and host this at his house afterwards or his condo for cocktails. And this is one of my favorite Thanksgiving stories. Jason, uh, decided he was going to London, uh, that evening and uh, being the sweetheart that he is, he had to meet his mom for Thanksgiving dinner before, you know, going across the pond uh so him and his mom went to waffle house for thanksgiving dinner then he went straight to the airport and flew to london so that was fantastic by the way he was drunk too when he did it <laughs> i think that was a couple of years running i think that he did it one year like this is kind of cool and he just made it a thing for a few years i don't know after like eight eight, eight whiskeys yeah and 13 and a half miles thank you all for listening thank you all for joining us uh everybody have a great thanksgiving week enjoy rivalry weekend we'll see y'all next week to recap georgia kicking the crap out of uh Georgia Tech, and hopefully have a little more clarity about how this top four is going to shake out. So catch you all later. Thanks for listening. As always, go dogs and keep shopping. Go dogs. Go dogs. I bark at people. <laughs> <laughs>